Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting his kingdom. Our service times are Sunday at 9 a.m., followed by a second service at 1045 a.m. Today's message is Hebrews 1, Greater Than the Angels. It's Pastor Philip Thomas. We're going to continue and and really kind of start diving in now into um, our journey through the book of Hebrews. And this is a journey that is kind of terrifying. Hebrews is a really all over the place uh, book as far as the way that people have approached it. All right. And so um, we we don't want to get bogged down in too much of the controversy and, and the debate and stuff like that. But there's a lot of a lot of theology in Hebrews, and sometimes that can become really dry preaching if you just focus on deep theological things, because you can get through in rabbit holes really quickly, right? Um, and, And one of the things that I try to do in my preaching is I hope that you know that there's a theological basis behind it, right? But I try to make it something where it's it's practical. How does this apply to us? But in the book of Hebrews, you kind of have to do both. You you have to address some of the theological things in order to understand what the how it can apply to us today. And so I want to I want us to to look in Hebrews chapter one. Uh, we we read the first few verses last week. Uh, now I'm going to read verses five through fourteen. So finishing out Hebrews chapter one it says, "For to which of the angels did God ever say, 'You are my son; today I have become your father'? Or again, I will be his father, and he will be my son." And again, what God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says, he makes the angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has sent you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment they will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit its salvation? All right. What the heck is going on here? Right? That's kind of a weird opening, isn't it? Like all of a sudden he's talking about angels and then about the sun. And, uh, and what's really interesting is most of that passage, and you can go, and I'd encourage you to do this. Most of that is just quote, uh, quotes directly from Psalms. Uh, it's, it's about, there's about four different Psalms that are mentioned uh, throughout this passage. And, uh, and so it's, it's basically tying the Old Testament of, of how the, the Old Testament writers were referring to the Messiah, and it's tying that in. Remember in Hebrews, we've got a group of people, many who were probably Jewish Christians, they're starting to experience some difficult times. Some of them are wondering, is it worth it, right? Is, is it worth it to go through this? I've lost my family. My family no longer considers me uh, part of the group. Right? I've been kicked out. Why? Because I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That's really nearly the only thing that separates, especially during that, that time period, the only thing that separated the Jews from the Jewish Christians was that the Jewish Christians believed that Jesus was the, the Messiah. They really held a lot of the same, same other beliefs and, and things like that. But if you were a Jewish Christian, 
it had gotten to the point you were completely kicked out of the, the group, right? And it's becoming more and more difficult. And so what Hebrews is doing is trying to encourage those who are, who are struggling. And it clearly is making the case of who Jesus is. And so I, to, to kind of think about this in a, in a theological way, I'm going to use a, a, a very theological example. This is where we entered the month of June. So that's a six, right? You know what that means? We're halfway through the year nearly. Isn't that terrifying, by the way? What that also means is you only have a mere 204 shopping days left until Christmas. That's it. There are websites that have it down to the second. Actually, it's a constant clock of time till Christmas. It's very disturbing. I felt dirty after looking it up. 240, 204 shopping days to Christmas. That got me thinking about Christmas and thinking about, and I want you to picture, I want you to picture your Christmas tree and all those gifts underneath, right? I want you to think about the gifts. Do you, do you ever, did you ever, and you may be this person, but did you ever have that person, maybe it was an aunt or a good friend who always gave you a gift at Christmas and you set it under the tree and you just looked and you're like, that is the best wrapped gift ever. And, and you realize, man, they went through a lot of time to wrap this gift. You know, you know, I can get that little string and run it, you know, on a, on the scissors and make it curl and it kind of looks cool. Everyone knows that that's a cheap way to get, get a thrill on a package. You didn't really spend a lot of time, but there's some people that spend a lot of time. They do their own bows, right? You know, and, and, the, I mean, the folds in the paper are just perfect, right? And you, you nearly get to the point where you're like, man, I don't, I don't want to even open this gift. Well, that person spent a lot of time with the package, but you know what they want you to do? They want you to open it and see what the gift is. That's, that's the main thing. The package is really cool, but the gift is the main thing. Kids do this all the time. How many times have you spent all kinds of time thinking about what to get your kid, especially when they're little, and then they open it up, and what do they play with? The, the box. They play with the package, and you're like, you kidding me? Right? You're missing the point. Well, you know what? Jesus is the gift. Jesus is not the wrapping paper and the package. And what's happening here is the people are starting wanting to mess and focus on the package not the gift. See, here's the basic theology of what's happening and what they're really struggling with. We don't struggle with this as much today because we have 2,000 years of history. But back then, they're struggling. It's like, okay, how do we transition from this idea of our faith being based on the law of what God gave Moses to now Jesus? Where does that fit? And, and, uh, and a way that I kind of look at it like it is, is that God was preparing us and preparing the world for his son entering into that world. And so the law the way that he gave to, the Mo, uh, to Moses and, and as he created his people and he called Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and it just moved on and on, that's the packaging, right? That's preparing everything for the ultimate gift of the Messiah. And what's happening is they're starting to wonder 
man, do we need to just play with the packaging? That's kind of what was really cool and was comfortable. And there's nothing wrong with the packaging, right? That was part of what God was doing to prepare the world. But now, no, Jesus is here. The focus should be on Jesus. And, and it is so important that we don't ever get caught up in the packaging around things, but that we focus on Jesus. And so the way that the writer of Hebrews starts out, and he's talking about angels, and you, you just scratch your head, what, what is he doing? Why is he making this direct contrast? Because to me, it's clear, right? Jesus, uh, the, the writer here is basically saying, okay, here you have angels, and here you have Jesus. Jesus is up here. Angels are down here, right? Everything he's doing is a compare and contract, con- contrast. What's really interesting, yeah, I don't know how you, contrast or contrast, or I guess it depends, are you from West Texas or where you are from? So, but it, <laughs> that, that one just jumped out. I was like, that didn't really sound right. But <laughs> so you, here you have uh, this, this comparison, right? And, and you wonder, well, were people struggling with that? Were people like, oh, you know what? I'd rather have an angel than have Jesus. Well, in the first century, uh, and the, the Jewish people there, the tradition was, and it still is in, a, in Jewish circles a lot, and there's obviously controversy about this a little bit, but if you asked a Jewish uh, person back then, who gave the law to Moses? They would say an angel of God. They believed that it was an angel of God who was the messenger, which makes sense, Right? It was the angel who gave the law from God to the people and to Moses. So that angel is a very important person, right? He he was the messenger of God's law that was the foundation of the Jewish faith, that was the packaging that was preparing uh, the people for Jesus. But what's happening is some are preferring the law. And what the writer of Hebrews, I think, is saying is he's saying, why do you want to prefer the message of an angel who is completely inferior to Jesus Christ and his message? He's not saying that that message isn't important. He's not saying throw out the law. But he's saying, listen, Jesus is is God. He's not just a messenger from God. So why would you elevate the angels or the law above the Messiah? And that's kind of what's happening here. And then as you read through all of these things you see and you get this wonderful picture of who Jesus is. And it started there in verse 6. Let all God's, uh, God's angels, uh, and again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says he makes his angels spirit and his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. He is eternal, right? The angels can come and go. Guess what? God created angels. He can uncreate them, right? They are not eternal unless God wants them to be eternal. But God himself, the son, is here forever and ever. It says, a scepter of just, justice will be, your, be the scepter of your kingdom. That whole uh, passage in Psalms right there is talking about the king and the importance of the king. 
And so now the writer of Hebrews is saying that is who Jesus is, that he is bringing justice. And man, we live in a world that seeks justice. And we live in a world that so often does not experience justice. But yet he is one who is bringing justice and will bring ultimate justice. It says, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Isn't that, isn't that a cool phrase? The reason that the son is so much uh, higher above everything is that he has been anointed. He has been anointed with the oil of joy. And I, I, I just, just came. The, think of this. Whenever we think of living under the law, do you think of, yay, I'm joyful, I'm living under the law? No, it wasn't, right? It's more of a rule-oriented thing. Doesn't mean the rules are bad. And in fact, they live, uh, they lead to living a better life if you follow them, right? But we don't associate, oh, I'm living under the law, therefore I'm so joyful. But whenever we're living under the king, when we're living under the, the, the reign of the sun, that is where we find joy. It leads to a joyful life. He also says, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. Again, his eternal power, but his creative power. He created all of this, right? The writer is making it very clear that, hey, this Jesus person that has set you apart from your family, the reason why it's important to continue following him is because he is God. I know it's causing you some problems, and there are those who would rather deal with just the packaging and follow the law. And you know what? That's okay. I mean, it's not bad, but they're missing out. And why would you want to settle for something less when you can have so much more? That's what he's trying to say. He's trying to say, no, it's worth it. It's worth it to continue and to keep Jesus as the focus. And then, of course, this wonderful, it says, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool to your feet. Right? That Jesus is ultimately that is going to make everything right. That all the enemies will be destroyed. That they will be a footstool at your feet. That's kind of a cool uh, thought, right? Here's Jesus sitting on his throne, and just he uses them as the Ottoman. You know, and he, he probably still has his dirty socks on. Yeah. Just a, just a, a pretty, pretty cool picture. I don't know if Jesus had socks. He wore sandals, so he, just, he, didn't, he didn't wash his feet beforehand. Yeah. But, you know, this, this, this wonderful picture of the power and the majesty of Jesus, right? That he is so much above everything else. And why would you want to focus on the other? And again, it's very important. It's not throwing out the law. Jesus said that himself. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Right? So it doesn't mean we just say, oh, we can do anything we want. No, we understand. No, we need to live like him. Our focus needs to be him, not just the rules and the regulations of the law. So I see exactly how this applies back then because they're struggling. They're struggling. Hey, is Jesus who he says he is? Is it worth even following him? 
whenever it's causing us all this problem. And of course, the writer's saying, yes, it's worth it. Don't focus on the packaging. Well, what about for us today? We don't necessarily get more persecution just because we believe in Christ, right? I mean, we, we, even in our secular society that we're in now, we're still the predominant religion, right? We're still the predominant faith. People may not believe you uh, or believe the same as you whenever you say you believe in Jesus, but no one says, oh, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard, right? Even if they don't believe it because it's very common now. But, you know, I think we can still get caught up in focusing on the packaging. Look at the way that, <laughs> that, we, that we go about doing church. Right? about how we go about practicing our faith. I would say that a lot of times we focus a lot on that. And guess what? That's just packaging. The way that you organize your church, the way that your church uh, um, policies are set up, the way that you do church music, all of that ultimately is just packaging. Right? And I found it interesting how much time sometimes we will focus on things like that. We used to see it in denominational wars, right? Where the one denomination says, oh, we have it right, this denomination doesn't. That's, that has died down a whole lot. There's not near as much of that anymore. But now it kind of becomes uh, within each church. And, you know, everybody brings their different expectations. And it's all on different things. And, and so it becomes, well, you know, the music, I, I really wish it was like this or it was like this. I wish the preacher did this a little bit more. Or did, you know, whatever it, whatever it is, all that stuff is packaging. And I wonder if we would be a whole lot better served if we always stepped back and said, hey, the packaging is important. Right? We don't just throw it all out. But man, what if we started devoting most of our time to the gift? Most of our time to Jesus. And so that when you came into the package of church, wherever it is, that you said, you know what, I, whatever they sing, it's going to be singing about Jesus, and that's who I'm going to be focused on. No matter how the preacher preaches, if he's going to talk a little bit about Jesus, <laughs> which is very important, then that's what I'm going to focus on. You know, I wonder if, if our churches would just be healthier overall. Because then you realize, you know what? The packaging doesn't matter near as much as the gift. And it's cool to have great packaging. But man, if you're missing out on the gift, you're missing out on Jesus. Let's don't miss out on Jesus. Let's focus on him. So that whenever we start encountering difficulty, that we won't just run back into the ways that we've done it before, but that we will realize, hey, we have been given a gift that sustains us through the good days and the bad, through the highs and the lows. That is the fulfillment of God's plan that he began thousands of years ago and that he was preparing the world for this ultimate gift of his son, of himself, to show us and point us to him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, I thank you for the opportunity we have.
to experience your love and experience your presence in this place. Lord, I pray that we will not get focused on the packaging, focused on all the things um, that go into church, that go into making our, our religion, but that we will make sure that our focus is always on you. And Lord, I just thank you. I thank you that you are greater than the angels. I thank you that you were willing to enter into this world for us. What an amazing gift you have given us. Help us to live in light of that gift each and every day. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We're located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas, 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon and may God bless you.